I want the fairy tale. I want the Prince Charming. She... <laughs> How do I put this? Isn't a fan of my kissing style. So we were boyfriend and girlfriend for about 12 hours. He's in a trash bin. He's non-recyclable. Catch you never. I love being in love. I love love. On today's episode of Where's Your Head At, we are thrilled to welcome Sarah Todd into the studio. Sarah is a runner-up from MasterChef Australia 2022, and we are looking forward to hearing about her time on this season of the show and how it differed from the last. Stay tuned to hear how everything unfolded at the finale. Where's Your Head At is a podcast that talks all things relationships, breakups, reality TV, trending shows, and everything in between. This is your new go-to destination for laughs, gossip, intimate details, advice, and much more. Okay, we have Sarah Todd, the runner-up from MasterChef Australia in the studio today. We are so excited to have you in here. How are you feeling? You know what? I feel like... <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> <Sorry>, do <did> I laugh? <laughs> He's really laughing at me for coming second. I know. How audacity of that? I honestly thought you were going to win. You know what? I was backing you 100%. I've been watching the season. Your cooks are amazing. Michael and I actually went to your pop-up before you were even on the show. And I swear to God, it was the best Indian food that we have ever eaten. Like, hands down, it was like this Indian fusion, amazing food. So... I was all on you to win. Oh, thank you. And it is it is a hard pill to swallow because it's a huge deal. I think holding up that MasterChef trophy, there's a lot more than just the money that comes with it. I yeah. think that MasterChef is really respected globally. And yeah. I think, you know, even coming second, I think is a huge... A huge thing. And I, I I mean, I came ninth in my first season and I've managed to create a career out of it after that. Mm. So second, I'm not complaining. Yeah. How, how did this year change from the first year you went on there in 2014? What was different? I definitely, I walked in thinking that I wasn't going to put as much pressure on me this time around because I think having that experience and working in the industry, I thought I had the tools to to get through it, but I realized there was more pressure because it's now, it's credibility. It's, you know, the pressure of, you know, showing that you can do it, showing that you're a good cook, putting myself out there. I think my ego was a little bit scared as well. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it would be. But yeah, I think it took me time to go, okay, it's fine, relax, you can cook. It's just food at the end of the day. It's not saving lives and yeah. I think once I got to that point where I was like it's it's okay I can relax and I'm not going to lose anything from doing this I think I started to relax and enjoy it a little bit more did you have a feeling that you were going to do well because I mean second is amazing I didn't it's weird I think I'm such an overthinker I put so much pressure on myself and I just set small targets I was like okay I need to make it to top 10 but yeah. until I got to top 10 I was freaking out the entire time. Like every cook was mm-hmm. highly stressful. And yeah, I think that because MasterChef is a show that is, it's really respected. I think you do take it very seriously every time you walk in the kitchen. So I yeah. think that drive helped me to keep pushing myself. And I didn't think that I would grow in the competition. I thought that I'd just go in, I'd cook the dishes that I knew, but I realized pretty quickly that I needed to, I think, find my own personal cooking style a little bit more. I think a lot of the time I was cooking dishes that, 
were maybe replicated from something I was taught in India or it was a dish that I had on my menu, but you can't just whip those kind of dishes out all the time. You need to find your own cooking style. Mm. And I think that that's one piece of advice that I often had people saying to me was find your own style. And that can be in in any industry, but it's so hard to find your own style. (laughs) You're like, you keep pulling pieces from from everywhere and until you get there. And I think through this season, I got there. Look, I'm a massive fan of MasterChef. I love watching it. Are the mystery box challenges real? Like, are they <laughs> legit? Like, I think everyone wants to know. Like, do you genuinely have no idea you have to make them up on the spot? 100%. Honestly, oh, no. like the first time when I went into MasterChef, I was watching a mystery box on TV. They lifted the lid and I started crying because oh. I was like, I can't think of anything to cook. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this can't be real. They must let you lift the box, go out the back, Google some recipes and come back and cook. No, wow. they do not let you Google. How long do you have? Just like on the spot, you've got just to write a tap spot. pantry. Yes, you just lift the lid and then you have to start cooking. Like there's no Googling in between like I thought. So That's terrifying. That is It is. Nuts. There's yeah. no mental blanks because no one's had a mental blank from my recollection watching the show, have they? There's definitely mental blanks. You're like, what is was there? I thinking? Why did I do that? It's literally like me opening the pantry every night when I get home. <laughs> What can I cook in here? You've got Google. Yeah. Well, yeah well, Even no. still, it's Even still, that's on the same way. I'm like, how do you figure this out? Have you cooked the dreaded Grockenbush? Is that what it was Grockenbush. called? Grockenbush. Grockenbush. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I've, I don't know what it is, but it looks scary to cook. I, I have never made a Grockenbush. And I was you thinking, make it? I mean, it's shoe pastry, so I've made that before, yeah. but... It's just the level of what my crock and bush. Pastry is not really my thing. I'm more savory for sure. So mm-hmm. I usually in my restaurant give it to the pastry team to do, <laughs> but they wouldn't let me bring anyone into MasterChef this season. So it was a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a I little like, tricky. Yeah. All right. Well, let's maybe cook one and let me know how you go. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, I have a question because I did your YouTube series recently. Well, when I say recently, this was like back in November, I think. And you had just told me that. That you were on this season of MasterChef and you have been filming pretty much up until that time. Like that seems like so long. How long have you been filming for? It's about six months filming. Wow. It is huge. It's 61 episodes. So it's, yeah, it's massive. And I think it's like this crazy apprenticeship where you are just thrown into everything about food and I think you, that's why you grow so much. You're just living and breathing food. So mm-hmm. it's it's an amazing thing to go through. Yeah. Uh, you said before you found your style and what your cooking style was. It's Indian inspired. What made you come up with this inspired cuisine? Yeah. Yeah. So my son is half Indian. So I lived with his family for some time. So Punjabi family. And it was really quite crazy because... I would be studying at French culinary school and bringing home these classical French dishes. Mm. And then my son's grandma would be throwing in these spices and making, you know, beautiful Indian dishes. And it was such a contrast in in dishes. So I just fell in love with it. I, I remember her watching Bollywood on TV and throwing spices into a pot and I'm sitting there trying to write it down. But it's like Indian food isn't about writing down recipes. It's about, you know, just feeling the food putting love into it and and just finding the balance. Wow. Mm. What is your favourite dish? Um, Gosh, you know what? There's so many now. I think my favourite one's probably gima, which is like a – it's a spiced minced meat, but I think it's probably – 
partly also due to nostalgia and it's yeah. one of the first dishes that I tried that were authentically North Indian and my son still loves it now. So Aww. it's one we cook a lot. Yeah. yeah. Food is like that though. Like I am from the UK, as you know, and when we go back to the UK, like we have this rent, like we, I love like haggis, neeps and tatties, which is like, you know, the Couple qu- and split, <laughs> quintessential <laughs> Scottish dish. And I've like let other people or like friends of mine try and they're like, ugh, what is that? But I'm like, it's so nostalgic and it reminds me of being with family and food is such a nostalgic thing, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I think with food, you can bring up so many emotions through dishes and I think it's just so powerful. And I think even when it comes down to creating dishes and menus now, I'm not just going to put a dish on the menu because I like it. It's got to have some sort of emotion you know, connected to me or connected to the people that are uh, are trying the food or, you know, using produce from where you are. I think it's important to just add a bit of love and connection to the dish. And people think that's, you know, pretty cliche or, you know, put love into your food, mm. but it's actually very true. That's and true. you can see that when you remember dishes from your childhood, mm. mine's corned beef that Aww. my nan used to make and it's yeah. just like I love it and it's the same thing not everybody loves that so yeah. it's the nostalgia that connects well speaking of loving your dishes how did the judges find your dishes did they take nicely to it or were they a bit nasty about them um well <laughs> did you have any really tough criticism from them or I think I did have some pretty tough criticism throughout the competition because the judges expected a lot from me as yeah. well yeah. and I think that was good for me. I think it just really made me make sure that I pushed myself to the limit and and executed my dishes really well. And I expect that of myself as well. So I think they love my food and there's a lot of amazing dishes that I did throughout the competition. But I definitely think that I had uh, some tough criticism at times. Who was your toughest critic on the judging panel? I think probably... Jock, I would say. I that. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's because it's that same thing. He really did expect a lot from me. And he doesn't cook it in a similar way, but he knows those French techniques really well. It's the the way he started his career. Yeah. And then he kind of fuses it with Australian ingredients. So mine's kind of similar where it's French techniques with Indian flavors. So I think that's why he pushed me so hard. Okay. Well, look, let's talk about more of your career and your love life and everything in between next okay Sarah we have known each other for a very long time I don't know if a lot of people know this but we actually modeled together back in the day and it's so amazing to see how far your career has come I'm honestly so proud of you as a friend you've done amazing and exceeded every single expectation and some so you studied culinary arts at Le Cordon Bleu is that right yeah, sounds Bleh. good. Bleh. <laughs> and you travelled to India to refine your style. You've opened multiple restaurants in India, which is amazing. You've also been on several TV shows, including My Restaurant in India, which has aired in 156 different countries worldwide. Like, what the hell? That's crazy. I didn't even know this about you. Didn't you? No, <laughs> not, a, not 156 <laughs> countries worldwide. That's super impressive. Yeah, no, honestly, I think that 
there's something about our like when we were modeling like looking back at those days I think that there's something about I think the lifestyle that we live that gives us a lot of tools to be able to push ourselves and work really hard because I'm so proud of you as well totally smashing it (laughs) and it's like yeah I mean it it does feel like another lifetime ago but it's just so good to see what you're doing now as well it's amazing kicking goals goals over here it's so good (laughs) yeah because Sarah actually as I mentioned before asked me to come on her YouTube series and it was the first time that we reconnected in ages and obviously I love papaya salad and you taught me how to cook it which I'm eternally grateful for but I was thinking when we were doing that like when was the first time you really got into cooking because yeah, like obviously we, we were modeling and I, obviously I had no idea about your extraordinary cooking talent. When did you get into that? I used to love cooking desserts when I was younger, which is strange because now it's the opposite. Right. But I feel like in the modeling days, you really need to understand food. You're kind of like an athlete, like you True. need to really nourish the body and understand food and I really Mm -hmm. did start to get into it then but I always have loved flavor so it's like Mm. finding this way to make healthy dishes that have a lot of flavor so it was kind of it started around those that time and I think also down to the travel like living in all of these different countries one of my nostalgic memories was being in Germany and having this you know living with a, a host family and they couldn't speak English I couldn't speak German but I remember this very interesting dish which was like a warm cucumber dill dish which it was just it was such an incredible flavor I'd never had anything like it but it made me realize that food brings people together no matter what language you speak so for me I think that's when it started to you know the different cultures and different cuisines started to really get my mind ticking yeah for sure you also have two cookbooks as well How'd you go about making those and start on them? They seem like a lot of work goes into them. Yeah, you know what? It's just like research and travel around India. My second one is, you know, a pretty cool one, I think, because I got to experience all these dishes around India and then bring that back into a book. I really wanted to show people that... Indian food doesn't need to be so complicated and that I'm Australian. I have learned the cuisine, you know, to this point just from travel and research and and all of that. And and anyone can. I think people feel like Indian cuisine is really complicated. So I think um, I just wanted to simplify it in the book and give people an option to to try it at home. Look, I'm not a big cook. I get told by my girlfriend all the time that I'm a terrible, like I just don't like cooking. I (laughs) I can't find the love for it. Like I don't know why. Is there any advice? on how I can be more of a chef and maybe cook her a meal here and there and not leave it all on her shoulders? Yeah, I think it's just like going for it and not having fear around cooking. I think we walk into the kitchen and think, it's going to fail. It's just about going, you know what, if it fails, just add a bit of masala or salt or something. <laughs> okay, so you're even saying words I don't know now. Can you keep it more simple for me, please? <laughs> I might get your uh, book. Where do I find your book then to get some recipes and I'll cook some out of there? On my website. Shit, I should have brought you on. I'll give you my address. I'll, give you I'll my, send it to you. <laughs> well, for everyone listening and they want to get a book, where can they find it? On your website? Yes. Yep, saratod.com.au. There you go. <laughs> so, look, you've collaborated with a lot of chefs in your time, but also in MasterChef. Do you have a favourite big name that you've enjoyed cooking with or you've got a lot of inspiration from? Yeah, I think Shannon Bennett, to be honest. First of all, he's an amazing guy. He 
has this really calm nature in the kitchen. And I think when you're trying to cook at such a high level, having that support in the kitchen and he just knows his stuff. So he is, yeah, really inspiring. And I think he's kind of that new generation of chefs where they're really nurturing rather than the old school ways of, yeah, quite abusive in the kitchen at times, which is, yeah. is very really different. really like that. That's not just Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, that's not just no. I mean, yeah, that's just the way the industry was. It was really a tough industry for chefs. I worked in kitchens in London and, yeah, like it was really, really tough and long. Wow. Long hours, long days, and you'd start at 8 a.m. in the morning, work until 1 a.m. and do that five or six days a week, and it was tough. So I'm glad that the industry has changed and a bit more regulated now because mm-hmm. it brings the love back into it, and yeah, and it's something you can do. I mean that you can't live a life and and work those hours. No, no, yeah. So you've done a lot in your career. What do you think your next step is? Maybe a documentary on your life? <laughs> She's done sort. it all. Yeah, I, don't- I don't know whether I really want to... Yeah, I mean, you're going to delve into a, enough information today <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yes, about the extent of it. We don't so, need to get a camera crew Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing having Anna in to, to give her some tips on cooking and now she can give me some tips on, on dating. <laughs> on how to date. <laughs> on that note, let's get into that next. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, you've had an amazing career, but we want to talk on something that we've never really heard you talk on publicly, at least. Yeah. Your dating life. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. So, I reckon we start off by asking you, are you single and ready to mingle or are you (laughs) taken? Are you in a committed relationship, a situationship? Where are you at? Um, I'm single. You're single? Yes. Okay, so Sarah, you have a son. His name is Phoenix. Can you tell us about him? My son is 11 years old and yep. he's a little angel. He's yeah. he's the cutest. I think when MasterChef asked me to come back on the show, I sat down with Phoenix and I was, look, I've been asked to go back on MasterChef. Obviously, it's going to be a big time commitment and I just want to ask you if you're okay with this and you know what your thoughts are. And he was like, he's like, well... If it was me, I would do it, but you have to do whatever makes you happy. How old was he then? It's like eight months ago, so 10 years old. So this time round. He's so mature. And I was like, this little angel is like, you know, such an amazing boy. and, And I think we have a really good bond and relationship. And I think... For us, after, you know, separating from his dad, we it was all about communication. And I think yeah. you, you forget that kids are pretty smart and switched on. And just by communicating about things, you can really make things a lot easier. Yeah. How old were you when you got pregnant with Phoenix? Oh, gosh. 23. 23. That's quite young. Yeah, it's young. Young mum. Yeah. Young hot mum. (laughs) (laughs) I was young. Yeah. (laughs) Still in the modelling days. So, yeah, I was all right. Now I just like eat lots of food. So, oh my God, you look amazing. You look amazing. So, you were 23 when you had Phoenix. And were you engaged to his dad at the time? Yeah, we were engaged. Right. And how long were you engaged for? Not that long, to be honest. I think it was, yeah, about six, eight months. Okay. Yeah. And how long was the whole relationship? It was about three years. Right. So about two and a bit years in, he proposed. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah, fell pregnant. Phoenix was an accident. Yeah. So (laughs) Happy surprise. Happy surprise. Happy surprise. Yeah. And yeah, like I look back now and I really, I think that for me, everything happens for a reason. And Mm. I think that... 
it really did shape me as a person and I think it really did give me the drive to, to do what I'm doing today. Yeah. Why did you and your ex break up then? I think that it wasn't the right fit. I think that he's an amazing person, but us in a relationship just wasn't right and it, it wasn't the healthiest relationship. How do you yeah. go co-parenting, Phoenix, then? Look, it took a long time to get to this point. I think the first few years were really, really rocky yeah. and mm-hmm. um, I think that... Time heals all. In the beginning, it was yeah. a lot of frustrations from both sides in, in the beginning. And yeah. there was one day when Phoenix's dad called me up and he was like, look, you're not a bad person. I've just realized you're not a bad person and that I have realized that we just need to make this work now. Yeah. And I think it was kind of like a switch in his mind to to realize that we're not out to get each other. It's we're here raising a beautiful little human and it's something that we can do together even if we're not in a relationship. Yeah, it must be a really hard transition. Like I couldn't imagine. And he's a little bit older than you, is that right? Yeah, he's about 14 years older. Okay. So the age gap was there. And the thing that I feel most lucky about is the fact that he's an incredible incredible father and he gives Phoenix everything he's you know so present when he's with Phoenix he's constantly you know doing things and and teaching him and yeah he's he's a great father so I'm really lucky about that. Phoenix is a very lucky little boy because I I know you're an amazing mum so he's hit the parent jackpot I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well that's the thing I think when you you need to realize you need to be happy as well and I think Separation is never easy when kids are involved and it takes a long time to get to a point where it's comfortable. But I think that we realized that us being happy was the most important and we got to that point and yeah, it's, um, it's okay. I think kids are so resilient. Mm. I think that it's tough in the moment, but they just really can, you know, handle a lot more than probably we can at times, I think. And um, it's just about love, like giving kids love and support and and that's what they really need. Have you had any other serious relationships since him? Yeah, I have. I have. It's always been quite difficult because for me, it feels like every relationship is a long distance relationship because, I mean, I'm half in India and half in Australia for most of the years since MasterChef the first time around. So... One way or another, it's going to be a long distance relationship because I'm traveling back and forth. It's never easy. I think for me, I've kind of come to terms with it, but I think a lot of other people find it hard because they're maybe not used to it. So that's definitely affected relationships for me in the past. Do you find the pressure of like every time you date someone, there is that pressure of bringing them home to Phoenix and introducing them Mm -hmm. and that they have to be like, you don't want to bring everyone to introduce them to Phoenix. So is that an added pressure you find? Yeah. You know what? I have in the past introduced Phoenix to a partner reasonably early on, but I realized that as a parent, I need to be pretty smart about this and the thing is for me I'm the parent right the person that you're bringing into the relationship doesn't have that same responsibility where you know if they meet Phoenix they're not thinking you know I don't want to be in his life and then disappear from him from his life whereas that's the first thing on my mind so you know I think I've realized pretty quickly that I need to be 
quite smart about that. How do you go about dating then? What's your preferred thing? How do you like to meet people? What's your uh, what's your go-to? Well, there's no real way. Like I don't really, I wouldn't say that I even go out much or I'm kind of a homebody. It's quite a strange thing. I think that when your life is so you know, you're out there all the time for your work, then when I have my own time, I like to kind of be at home and chill with Phoenix. So there's no real way, to be honest, that... You know what? Something that I was thinking as well is obviously you cook, like you're cooking on TV, you're cooking at work, you're cooking for your son, I'm sure. Is there ever any time to cook for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, I think that when you get home, you just want to have simple, quick, easy meals. So I do. I like to just whip up quick dinners. And yeah, I mean, it's very rarely for me, though. It's usually always for Phoenix. (laughs) And I do. I like make really quick meals when... I'm home alone. So I prefer cooking for others. Do you ever have a partner cook for you, like a man, and then he brings you up a dish and you're (laughs) like, like, what is this? What the (laughs) fuck is this? I would not want to cook for a chef. (laughs) I don't know whether... I have actually had any man cook for me. It's pretty intimidating. They I might be like, think- "Well, there you go." Actually- if there's any males out there listening, maybe someone should cook for you, if Sarah. You have the, if you have the balls to cook for Sarah, yeah. no, but do you know what? As a chef, you just want a simple dinner. Like it doesn't matter if it's not like crazy extravagant, but someone cooking for you is a really nice thing. Yeah, and I'm not a you know heavy critic when it comes to food. Like I just, it's more about the. The act of doing it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. Does, have you been teaching Phoenix how to cook? A little bit, yes. Okay. So especially through the lockdowns, we started cooking a lot together and he doesn't love it as much as I do. <laughs> he makes a mean poached egg on toast. Nice. Oh, nice. Some parathas as well and different, you know, Indian dishes. So, yeah. He's already doing better than Matt and I. <laughs> yeah, he's already at 11 years old. <laughs> You've got your little kid at home now, so I'm sure you're... Oh, I, can't, I can't poach an egg. Really? Well, Phoenix I don't even can think teach I could, you. I don't even think I could hard boil one or scramble it. <laughs> yeah, geez, he could teach me. Yeah. Matt could learn a thing or two. Maybe yeah. we need to do some private lessons with all of us. I can fry an egg. That's about it, really. <laughs> so I have a question because obviously you're an amazing chef. You have restaurants in India. You potentially might bring out a restaurant in Melbourne soon. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about it. So I think for me, you know, the last eight years of kind of traveling back and forth to India, just when the lockdowns happened, I realized I was at a point where I was pushing myself to a crazy limit. And when the lockdown started, I think I was almost at the point of an almost breakdown. Like I was exhausted. Like I would be on a plane every third day. You know, I would fly internationally for a couple of days and constantly jet lagged. And I think it really took me about three months to recover. And I think for me, like lockdowns were actually a really good thing. And it made me realize that, you know, do I want to go back to that same lifestyle that I was living before of constantly flying back and forth, yeah. you know, internationally? And so now I think when the, the even the MasterChef opportunity came up, I saw it as a good opportunity just to kind of relaunch me back into Australia so that I can go, you know what, maybe a bit more of a stable lifestyle yeah. is something that I want. So my goal out of all of this has just been to kind of settle more here in Australia and and not be living such a crazy life. And yeah, I think it's, um, for me, having those roots here and opening a restaurant is something that would 
give me that stability and yeah. and yeah have work here more permanently I love that you're thinking of opening a restaurant, but since you haven't yet, I want to get some recommendations from you on where to take a first date. Like what's a good first date restaurant for our (laughs) listeners? (laughs) I mean, I don't really know. I haven't really thought about this. I'm not really a... I I don't really go on dates. Like it's very strange. (laughs) So let's just say... You're going on a first date. What are the elements that a restaurant has to have to make the date good? I think that for me, it has to have a nice ambience for sure. But I don't know. I think I've gotten to that point where I'm not a person that, you know, wants to go to like an overly rowdy kind of place. Like one of the restaurants I love is Aru which is really beautiful, you know, warm interiors and it's nice and quite cozy. You know, there's little kind of nooks and you feel a little bit more private in a place like that. I think it just has to be a good environment for sure. Yep. Love that. Love that. Nice wine list as well. Nice wine list. Exactly. It has to be good food. I mean, you don't want to be like... (laughs) Hating the food and bad service. Some nice entrees that you guys can share together, really romantic and intimate, and then into some cocktails and, you know. (laughs) That's already planning the day (laughs) for you. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so you're currently single. You've had an ex-boyfriend who was in India and you had to do like a long distance. You have your ex-fiance. In between this, I'm sure you've had a few situationships where you've seen a couple of guys here and there. Do you have any embarrassing dating stories? Because we love some embarrassing dating stories on Where's Your Head At? You know what? I mean, I think that for me, I'm like not overly a dater. Yeah. Like I'm not that – I don't really – it's quite strange. I think it's like for me – when something feels right, then I kind of go for it and, yeah, jump into it. But I'm not like – I really don't go on a lot of dates. This is a dating. <laughs> this is a dating podcast. I'm here for advice. Hang on, wait. Let me turn this around. Well, yeah. well, I need some advice, guys. All right. Well, I'll tell you what you're doing wrong from the <laughs> okay, start. Please. It's okay, not going go. on dates. Okay. <laughs> really? Okay. Do you need any dating so, advice? For the, yeah, go for it. You have to ask us yeah. the questions. <laughs> ask us. Uh, I mean, you know my situation, right? And it's a crazy lifestyle in terms of work commitments and all of that. Like, what would you suggest to, you know, if someone is very busy with work and there's a lot of travel involved, you know, and I think especially these days, women are in the workforce and working, you know, really hard jobs and busy jobs. Like, what would you, you know, there's two people in a relationship and if they're both busy, like, how do you work that out? I reckon just keep up the chats, like keep talking, stay like intimate over those chats. I know that like when my girlfriend goes away, our conversations are a lot more intimate. So, we stay more in touch with each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know how close you are with them, but you know, like FaceTime each other. And I feel like if they don't understand that you're busy and you're both busy and they get annoyed at that, then they're not the one because that's mm. your lifestyle. That's the way you're living your life. And mm. that you're not going to change for anyone. Even if they missed a right, you shouldn't change for them. They've got to understand who you are and what comes with you. Well, I mean, it's an interesting topic because like there's Mr. Right and then there's Mr. Like the right time. And like, I always think that the right time, like timing is everything, right? Like you can meet someone who's perfect, but if your schedules aren't aligning, not- then maybe they're not Mr. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
I do believe in things happening at the right time and Agreed. what you need to learn at that time or what's yeah, what is right for you at that time. I do believe in that. But yeah, I think that it also comes down to a lot of that communication and understanding. You need to have trust because Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to, you know, travel and being away, you can't be constantly thinking at the back of your mind that maybe they're doing something or, you know, that the trust isn't there. Oh, I wouldn't even be in that situation. That would suck. Yeah. (laughs) Well, if she is in that situation, let's not make her feel bad. Well, I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. If you're in that situation, I would yeah. find a way to get out of that situation. You yeah. shouldn't be, yeah. if you're with a partner and you feel like you can't trust them. What's not, the point? What's yeah, the but point? ultimately, yeah. I mean, if you're in a relationship and you're away a lot of the times, like people need love and they need, you know, to have someone around, I think at times. What's your love language? I don't know. Physical Probably. touch? Yeah, it is. Physical touch, yeah. I reckon I'm a few. Yeah, I, I spread I'm myself across. A... Yeah. Well, then, can you find but... someone that can actually maybe get time off and travel with you and then they have a part of your life they could work remotely? They could work with you, go over to like, Yeah, but it's not travel. that simple, right? Like, yeah, I'll just nah. go, oh, here's the resume. You need to be able to travel whenever you I want. I mean, put a, put a, put a <laughs> story <laughs> up and see <laughs> see people start applying to their with resumes. Him. In. Yeah. Put your email address there. <laughs> Sarah, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming in. Again, congratulations on all of your success. Honestly, I'm so proud of you as a friend, and I'm so glad that the world is getting to see how amazing you are. Until next time, bye. I'm looking forward to getting your cooking book. Thank you. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)